All right, welcome back to the uh, Push to Pass podcast, and our guest now is, uh, I have the, the total pleasure in uh, in uh, introducing uh, this gentleman. Uh, first and foremost, he is a man of, of many hats. Um, if you listen to IndyCar on the radio, as I do uh, from time to time when I can't make it out to one track or the other, I'm sure you will recognize uh, this voice. Um, besides being a uh, the anchor on IndyCar radio, uh, does a lot of things. Uh, used to be uh, mixed in high school sports. Now I believe, if memory serves me correctly, the um, uh, communications instructor out at uh, Monrovia High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, without any further ado, uh, Mark James is our guest. Mark, again, first and foremost, like I said, a uh, huge thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. I know you got uh, an event tomorrow that I know you're looking forward to, and obviously you got to go to uh, Mid Ohio. Uh, this weekend, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that here as this unfolds. But uh, for people that may not recognize you, which shame on them if they don't, uh, <laughs> give, give us uh, a little bit a little bit about yourself. Well, I, I, I'll say first and foremost, I was blessed with a perfect face for radio. That's what I, oh, that's what I've always said. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm from a small town, Monrovia, Indiana, race fans will recognize that as the longtime home of the legendary uh, Gary Bettenhausen and. Uh, Todd and Carrie, his twin sons, uh, went to high school with me. We graduated in 82 together, along with Penske Racing General Manager Kyle Moyer. We were all in the same class and uh, uh, got bitten by the broadcasting bug very early on by a uh, courtesy of my elementary school principal who told me I was a lousy softball player, so I might want to give up professional sports as a dream and chase journalism or broadcasting, but uh yeah, I mean, I, I worked small market radio for a few years and uh, was fortunate enough to work at WTHI in Terre Haute when it was owned by the home of George family. And uh, that led to me joining the radio network in 1996. And uh, I was a pit reporter for a few years. In 2000, I moved to turn three, was there for 15 years, and uh, uh, then moved uh, seven years ago to the anchor's position for the 100th. Um, and, um, I, I said after my very first year, Derek, when I came home after a pit, being a pit reporter in 96, that if I never got to do it again, I got to do it one more time than a lot of guys that wanted to get to. And so, uh, I've been playing with house money, as they say, since 1996. And as you mentioned, um, it's not a full-time job. Um, I, I teach uh, communications at Monrovia high school, which again is my alma mater. Uh, and uh, also do some work for the IHSAA Champions Network broadcasting from from state finals, uh, some state finals uh, contests. Matter of fact, did the baseball state finals a couple of weeks ago at Victory Field. And, and other than that, I just um, I enjoy condo life in Plainfield, Indiana, spend as much time in our pool as I can. And uh, I've been married for 36 years to a girl I met on a blind date in Indiana State. And we have two children and uh, and four grandchildren. So life's pretty good, brother. Wow. It, yeah, it does seem like uh, life is uh, life is good, uh, man. I, I don't know where you find the time for for anything <laughs> else. And I have to say, I'm I'm a little bit envious uh, having a a pool, especially with the Indiana weather um, that uh, that we've had the last couple weeks. Well, the best part about being in a condo is the fact that I don't have to take care of it. I get to watch somebody else cut the grass in the wintertime. Somebody else shovels the snow here, and so uh, you know, I got a head start on what it's going to be like when I retire someday. So. Yeah, it, you definitely uh, got a uh, got a leg up there if you got uh, you know living in a condo where people take care of the of the yard and, and the pool and all you got to do is go and uh, and enjoy it. Yep, pretty good gig. Yeah, absolutely. You did touch a little bit on you know uh, the being an anchor 
uh, IndyCar radio. I can't imagine that. That has to be a, a absolute uh, dream job, I, I would imagine, for people that you know don't know things behind the scenes, uh, how all of the the broadcasting uh, you know intricacies uh, work. And I have to uh, agree with what you said. I tell people a lot too that I definitely have a face for radio, so I know where you're coming from there. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's organized chaos, quite frankly, especially for the Indy 500 now. For the other events we do, I will admit that, uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's some tense moments because, you know, you're not only anchoring the show, but you're essentially producing and directing the show in that you're deciding where we go and when, be it a turn announcer or a pit reporter or a commercial break. And with that end of it, I do get some assistance from uh, Chris Pollock, our network director, and, and Sam Rums. I mean, they keep me honest in terms of getting the commercial break, but... Uh, Boy, for the Indianapolis 500, you know, one of my predecessors and someone I've worked closely with for a number of years, Mike King, told me that, uh, you know, when when you anchor the Indianapolis 500 and when you're done, uh, your hands will, will literally be shaking because your mind is moving so fast for so long. Uh, it's just impossible for you to be able to hit the switch and shut it off quickly. And, and, and I'll admit, you know, each and every year I seem to recover, if you will, uh, a, a little quicker. Uh, this year, I think I bounced back quicker than I ever have following the race broadcast. And I think it's because the broadcast, quite frankly, went very, very well. It was a very smooth show from start to finish. But, you know, I, I've, I've got, you know, four pit, pit reporters uh, for the 500. I have, uh, you know, the four turn announcers. I have Davey Hamilton. We have guests coming into the booth like, you know, the governor and the folks from Chevrolet and some other guests. And we've got to get to Board Warner and Victory Lane and uh, – Fortunately for me, I'm able to focus a bit more once the green flag flies on just the racing element of it because Brian Livingston, who's been with the network for a number of years, is our pit producer. And Brian is the one that is in communication with the pit reporters. And he's got a chart on the window next to him. And and essentially, when pit stops are underway, he's communicating with the pit reporters. And he kind of leads me into who I'm going to and when. And, and that takes a little pressure off me and gives me one less thing that I that I have to think about. But, you know, over the past couple of years, we've we've added some new members like Joel Sebastianelli and, and Alex Wolf and Scott Sander and Rob Blackman. But I think the core group, you know, Chris Denary and I both have, have been on the network over 20 years now. I mean, Jay Query is coming up on 15 years. Nick Gilman over 10 years. Michael Young over 10 years. Ryan Marine's been with us four or five years now. And so... When you can develop that kind of trust and continuity, and you're talking about guys who are all pretty much Midwest or Central Indiana guys who grew up as fans of this event and fans of this form of racing, I think you you combine their incredible talents and their professionalism with their knowledge and enthusiasm and passion for everything that we do. And I think I'm lucky to be surrounded by some pretty talented people and we all think alike. Uh, it's it's a show for the fans, and um, we, we know that uh, they would tune in no matter you know who was a part of that broadcast. And so, you know, uh, it's it's a team effort for sure. And and as you well know, it's an ego driven business. But by the same token, the guys that we have uh, put the product first, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're so successful. Yeah, it definitely seems like you have a a great uh, a great group of uh, of guys. Or, or, or crew around you, you know, listening to uh, the broadcast, like I said, 
uh, a week in and week out when I can't be at the track. It seems like to me anyway, and again, uh, this is just somebody from, you know, miles away that uh, everything run, runs so smoothly. But as you said, as you pointed out, that uh, it's uh, it's all controlled chaos. Yeah, for sure. And uh, again, I got to give a lot of credit to Sam Rubs. I mean, Sam, Sam took over the producer's role from Chris Pollock. Chris and I had worked together uh, for, you know, almost 22 years, 23 years. Um, Chris was our master control operator and executive producer, and he is now our network director. And so I'll admit there was, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of um, a concern on my part um, you know, when, when we had to make the change, I mean, I understood why Chris wanted to get out from behind the board and be the network director and, and, and we're happy to have Chris in that position. Um, but there was a level of trust that I had with Chris and Chris knew what I was thinking, when I was thinking it and how, and, and I will say in a relatively short amount of time, uh, we struck gold with Sam Rumsa because, uh, he, he is, is like-minded with me, just like Chris. I mean, I, I can give him, you know, the bare basics and uh, he takes it and runs with it because he's he's done it with me long enough now that where he, he knows when we're producing something, what I'd like for the, the finished product to look like. And, and he knows that he can offer me suggestions and tell me when to take a break. And, and if I'm getting ready to call for a break, he might tell me, well, let's let's not do that just yet because we have pit stops coming back. And so, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You know, occasionally we bring fans into the booth and we have guests into the booth to let them peek behind the curtain in the land of Oz, if you will. And uh, uh, they're always uh, pretty much taken aback at the fact that uh, there's uh, so much going on behind the scenes that people aren't aware of. Uh, that is, uh, as I suggested earlier, is kind of organized chaos. And they all seem pretty impressed with what it sounds like on the other end that goes to the listener. And and Mark, you're absolutely right. This was the first year I was able as media to uh, to cover the month of May. And when I walked up and seen, you know, what you guys uh, have all of your charts and everything, I was like, wow, as much as they make it sound so easy on the radio and they have all this prep to do and then, you know, you got to make sure you're hitting all your marks. And like you said, with, with Sam, it seems like it's, it's such a smooth and easy transition. And, and it's got to be nice, like you said, to have somebody that is thinking along uh, the lines as, as you and, and Davey and everyone else are. Well, and, and it moves so fast now, Derek, is the thing. I mean, once upon a time, you know, if, if, if you have downloaded the Spotify app uh, or, or, and you listen to some of our old race broadcasts, once upon a time when Sid Collins was the anchor, uh, on a lap, it would go from, from Sid to turn one back to Sid, turn two back to Sid, halfway down the backstretch back to Sid, to three back to Sid, and then four back to Sid. And to give you an idea how much things have changed and how much faster things are paced, we only use two turn announcers for qualifying because otherwise I wouldn't have enough time to get the time and speed report in. We don't put four turns out. And when we were on the ninth floor of the Pagoda, we for a couple of years eliminated turn one uh, just to give us more time and give me more time on the front stretch. Now, a few years ago, we moved to, a, I think, a fabulous location for us logistically on the, the, the backside of the fourth floor of the media center, uh, turn four end, I should say. And, and I had to bring turn one back because I can only see down the straightaway as far as the scoring pylon. However, that puts a lot of pressure on Chris Denary because coming out of four, 
he's got to drop him to me about the opening of the pit road in order for me to be able to say anything at all to get him to Nick Yeoman and one. But again, when you're working with the type of professionals that I work with and you're working with guys that you're familiar with and comfortable with, you're able to make that happen and everybody understands what their role is. And, and, and that's what, that that's what ties it all together. Well, let, let me say, like I said, just as an outsider, Mark, when you and, and the rest of the crew are on on the radio, if it's a serious XM, because that's what I listen to you guys on, um, it it sounds so smooth. And I, and I would have never I would never imagine um, that, you you know, you have so much timing and everybody's got to be hitting their marks uh, with, with the way you guys sound. So let me compliment you all um, on that. And, and I'm sure we'll, we'll meet up here at the end of July. Um, but let's get into the the 2022 season. Okay. Uh, it's been what an interesting, I think, roller coaster uh, so far that that we have been on. Uh, I think Penske uh, and I think you know came out of the shoots all all guns firing uh, the first uh, three races, and, and then they, you get to the month of May where you know Penske's home track, obviously Roger owns the place, and they struggle. Mm-hmm. They struggle. Right. But then, you know, New Garden puts the the run together uh, a couple weekends ago at Road America. Seems like he's he's, uh, you know, written or uh, written the uh, the Penske back uh, a little bit. But uh, from your perspective, um, and I know you've been to every race, obviously. What do you see so far in the first half of the 2022 season? Uh, well, you know, I, I, on the one hand, as you suggest, um, there there is, you know, the suggestion that there is parity, but by the same token, it's pretty much gone from, gosh, the big three or the big four down to kind of the big two, uh, I, I think, for this season in, in, in Penske and, and, and Ganassi. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think from uh, a, a standpoint in terms of wins, um, it appears as though, and I think the next month will really tell us if the uh, if this scenario will continue. But you know, I, I think if you get two wins and you combine that with all top fours, top fives, and as many podiums as you can gather, as long as you don't suffer a DNF, that might be enough to win you a championship. I don't know because of that parity, and some of it exists within the race teams themselves at Penske and Ganassi. I don't know that you're going to see anybody reel off three or four wins or five wins like Scott Dixon did a couple of years ago in route to a championship. I, I think it's going to be consistency in those podium finishes. I, I think what we quoted a stat earlier this year was 1977. I think Tom Sneva won the series championship that year without having won a race. Um, obviously I don't think that's going to be possible this year. Um, uh, but, but, but I don't think you're going to have to win a lot of them. You're just going to have to be consistent. And I guess, I guess that's, you know, it, it makes for a, a, a very compelling championship run. Um, and I think outside of the top four or five in points and, you know, you've been at this a while too. I, I, I think we've reached a point to where, you know, if you're outside of the top four, or top five in points going into mid-Ohio, you're, you're starting to put yourself in a position where not only do you have to have a first or a second and you need to lead the most laps and gain that bonus point, you need the bonus point that goes along with the pole. 
but you're relying on some pretty consistent drivers in front of you to falter and have off weekends. And you're going to need to have them do it more than one weekend. And boy, when you look at some of those names, those, those aren't the kind of guys that history have shown to be the type that, that, that fold when the pressure's on. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you talk about, you know, Joseph Newgarden, for example, who I think has got to be, you know, one of the hottest drivers, obviously, uh, going into the second half of the year. It sure seems like to me that the remaining tracks just, uh, you know, it works out for him. Had someone asked me the other day, what's wrong with Scott Dixon? And, um, uh, and I think obviously the concern was amplified by the error that he made speeding coming onto pit road at the Indianapolis 500. There's no guarantee he would have won that race, but I think he would have been in the mix certainly. Um, but, but, you know, I think if you look at the season he's had by and large, uh, for almost any other driver, it would be considered a successful season. And that's the kind of consistency and the kind of success that Scott Dixon has had. I will say this, Derek, uh, if he doesn't fare well this weekend, there might be cause for concern because he's won so often at mid-Ohio that he gets mail in victory lane, for God's sakes. I mean, you know, six wins and all those polls and all those laps led. And so... I, I think if, if if there is going to be a race weekend where Scott Nixon gets himself back into contention, it will be this weekend. But, uh, you know, there's more than a handful of guys among the top five or six in points that have had their fair share of success at Mid-Ohio. But I, I think this is a very important race for Scott Nixon's championship chances for sure. Yeah, I've heard a lot of rumblings uh, this year about, you know, what is what's wrong with Scott Dixon. And I know, you know, there's a lot of chatter coming from the paddock that I, that I think maybe he may die down a little bit. Uh, you know, rumor was, and I don't know how much you invest in rumors, that maybe Scott Dixon was going to be that third Aero McLaren car. Um, I think that may have been squelched with um, the commitment made by Zach Brown to uh, extend Felix Rosenquist to 2023 and beyond. So I think that may get squelched a little bit. But but there is a, a driver that, uh, you know, you said being out of the top six, it may be awful tough to make that championship points push. But if there is a driver, in my opinion, that could do that the way he is driving right now and just needs a little bit of luck, it's got to be Alexander Rossi. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, it, and, and we will say that of late, Chip has said in, in a couple of different published reports that uh, – he intends that, you know, for all intents and purposes, all of his drivers are under contract for next year. And that's, you know, uh, Alex Pillow and, and 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 certainly Scott Dixon and 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 Marcus Erickson and and Jimmy Johnson. And it's 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 hoped that TK will get another another shot at the five hundred. So that kind of put, you know, those those rumors about some of the Ganassi drivers uh, to rest as far as Chip was concerned. And um, Chip even took a thinly veiled shot by saying, you know, it's been my experience that um, you you have the most success by hiring drivers and keeping drivers with you instead of trying to create success by taking drivers away from other teams. So that's, you know, that's 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 chip being chip. But I, I think he brings up a, a very valid point. But but no, I, I, I mean, I think I think that the, the driver that you alluded to. Um, much like Pato Award, you know, there was a lot of quote-unquote noise about Pato when the announcement was made about Herta and 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 what his opportunities might be in F1 and and Pato not caring for the way that he found out about it and he responded to that uh, by by really turning it on and um, I, I think since Alexander Rossi has uh, has locked down his future. 
clearly he and, and, and Brian Barnhart are, are on the same page now, his race strategist and longtime motorsports veteran and Brian Barnhart. And, uh, yeah, I think Alexander Rossi is a guy that is capable of, of racking up those podium finishes and picking up a win or two here. And, and I think Alexander Rossi, you know, uh, because of all that he owes Andretti Autosport uh, for reviving his career, um, and refocusing his career, I think he wants to finish very strongly with them. And I also thinks that I also thinks that he want he think that he wants to put on full display uh, just exactly what the the people that at, at, at Arrows McLaren are getting in, in Alexander Rossi for twenty twenty three. Yeah, Mark, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And the, the last few races, uh, even the 500, I think, um, prove your point the way the, the finishes that Rossi has had. You know, if it wasn't for Will Power, uh, you know, the, the driving that Will Power did at Detroit, uh, Rossi wins that race hands down. But the driving skills that Power had was just uh, was o- too overwhelming. Is there somebody else that we're not uh, looking at here going into the second half of 2022 that we may need to keep our eye on? No, I, I mean the, the one guy. I don't. I don't want to label him the Rodney Dangerfield, especially over the fact that he's the most recent Indy 500 champion. But you know, I, you know, people just don't don't seem to want to take Marcus Erickson as seriously as they should. And I don't know what else this kid needs to do. I mean, going back to his his wins last year, and um, you know, maybe one of them shrouded in a little bit of controversy. Uh, you know, at Nashville last year, but I, I think all in all, I mean, this, this kid has the makings of being a Scott Dixon type driver. I mean, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I, and I, I think if you go back and listen to our race broadcast uh, at about the halfway point or something, you know, we, we had the same three guys jockeying for position. And I, you know, I noticed for about 15, 20 laps, there's Marcus Erickson in fourth. And I think, and throwing it to Nick Yeoman at one point, I said, you know, front three headed to turn one, but Nick Yeoman, the guy in fourth, may have the best poker face at the table, and that's Marcus Erickson. And, you know, you got to the last segment of the race, and the guy hit the button. And if you remember, Derek, on that final restart, um, when Erickson went into turn one and Pottawa Ward went high in an attempt to pass him, almost everyone else had pulled that pass off. And uh, he was not able to do that. And that kind of that kind of told you just how strong Erickson was. And, um, you know, in practice sessions every weekend, he's consistently there. And then you get to the final stint of the race and he's consistently there. And, and I would say even the defending series champion maybe falls into that category a bit. I mean, Alex below has had his share of success this year as well. And, um, you know, those are two guys that people just don't seem to talk about because, uh, a lot of the attention seems to, you know, get focused on Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgarden and, and even Pottawa Ward and Alexander Rossi and some of those guys. But, um, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of this series, um, especially this year. I mean, you can go literally, you know, in that 26-car field, you can legitimately go back 19, 20, 21 positions and, 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 and find yourself a, a driver in a car that's that, that's capable in, in, in the right situation with the right pit strategy, uh, you know, finding themselves in contention with the top five and, and getting in victory lane. I mean, look look at what Dale Coyne has done this year with David Malukas and Takuma Sato and, and Kyle Kirkwood, what he's done with uh, 
with AJ Foyt racing, I mean, he's, he's, he's put them back in contention on a regular basis. And it appears as though now that, that finally, you know, the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing are starting to get their legs underneath them. And if there's ever going to be a race where they put it all together, I'm sure Graham and everyone at that organization would love it, love for it to be at mid Ohio this weekend. So, you know, um, when, when, when you mention a driver in this series, it's not hard if I were to sit here and mention a driver, Derek, you could in the very next breath mention another driver that you feel like is a contender at all. And that's that's the beauty of this series, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think we would have looked at people crazy, Mark, this year if they would have told us that uh, Marcus Erickson and Alex Pillow would be the two current leaders of Chip Ganassi not, and not Scott Dixon yep. you know, based on his previous success. Yeah, and, and, and as you suggest, I mean, that – you know, you one would say that, and that's even you know to low, uh, you know, coming off a championship season and finished second in the Indianapolis 500 to Elio. Uh, you know, I I, I categorize below like this. I mean, when 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 Dale Coyne signed him, um, you know, I, I think everyone said who, and then when 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 he announced that he was moving to Ganassi in the 10 car, I, I think everyone said what. And, uh, and and then after, you know, he wanted Barber, I think everyone said, wow. And, you know, if you go back to like Gateway, he was taken out at Gateway. And, um, you know, that, that last year at Worldwide Technology Raceway, and, and that's kind of when everyone thought, okay, here he comes. He's coming back down to earth now. The pressure's going to get to him. And, and it sure did. And he grabbed the championship. And, and I think in many ways, as people continue to follow him and get to know him, uh, there's there's a there's a, a, a grizzled veteran out there now that that he reminds me a little bit of in the way he carries himself. Maybe not quite as gregarious as 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 the four time champion, but there are many things about Alex Pillow that that remind me a bit of of Elio Castroneves. And you know he's a long way from being in his category in terms of of being an accomplished racer. But I I think that he has that same personality he i think he can develop that same broad based appeal and and i also happen to think he's one hell of a race car driver and i'm thrilled to death that he found his way to the NTT IndyCar series and, and that's not that's not uh, one shabby uh, comparison uh, e- either uh, before we look ahead to uh, mid ohio this weekend uh, is there a rookie in this class which is loaded in, in my opinion that has uh, stood out to you so far the first half of the year I think they've all been pretty impressive. I mean, I mentioned David Malukas and all that he has done. I mean, many felt that he should have been rookie of the year. And I would have liked to have seen this been one of those years where there was co-rookie of the years, not taking anything away from all that, that Jimmy Johnson brought um, uh, to the month of May. Um, uh, I'll let others argue that. That's just my opinion, not fact. That's just my opinion. It would have been nice to see, but I certainly didn't have a problem with Jimmy Johnson getting that award. And, and understood why he did. But uh, I think David Malukas and Kyle Kirkwood especially are two guys that are going to be around a while. Um, I, I think Callum Eilat has surprised a lot of people and and, and really, I think, been a pleasant surprise for, for Hunko's Hollinger racing. I think Ricardo is going to do everything in his power to keep him. Don't know if he's going to be able to. The only thing that might benefit him is the fact that, quite frankly, I don't know how many open seats there are going to be this offseason because a lot of teams have already firmed up their plans and they continue to make announcements. I think that earlier today, uh, that Penske announced that it's, you know, they're, they're, they're set with three next year. They're, they're happy with that. And, and Chip said he's good. And, and I think Andretti's good and so on and so forth. So, uh, 
you know, they'll, they'll get a chance to build a relationship. And I mentioned, you know, David Malukas and Takuma Sato. Takuma has spoke glowingly of David Malukas, the fact that he just soaks up everything that, that Taku shares with him. And I, I think he's been competitive week in and week out. And um, I know that uh, Larry Floyd is just over the moon happy with Kyle Kirkwood. Um, they're thankful uh, for the relationship that they had with Andretti Allsport that allowed Kyle to run for them this year. They understand that that's always where Kyle was going to end up. Um, and I think as the season has progressed, I, and people don't, I think, give enough credit to Devlin Francesco for some of the improvements that he has made. I, I think, you know, he raised the ire of a few folks in the first handful of races of the season, but and it, indeed, it is, a, again, a learning curve. But I think over the last couple of races or so, uh, people have started to develop uh, some measure of respect for Devlin. And um, I, I know that we, we had dinner with him and his team last year uh, when he was still in Indy Lights. And, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of, of, of Formula One engineering and experience and a lot of media uh, experience from the champ car and cart days involved with his program. And uh, I think they're doing everything he can to make sure that he has a successful run with Andretti Autosport and Tatiana Calderon. I mean, very difficult situation for a talented young race car driver to, 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 to just be, you know, in that part-time effort the way she is, because, you know, you've got to build that rapport with your race team. You, you've got to have the reps, if you will. But um, I, I, I think that um, if, if you look at, at what she's been able to do and, and how she's been able to grow and improve and her times get better and her confidence grows. Uh, uh, the hope is, is that she'll be able to stick around and be a part of this series for the foreseeable future. So, you know, an incredible crop of rookies for sure. And it's uh, really hard to kind of put your finger on one or two and, and, and put the slot one in above the rest. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I got a chance to speak with, uh, with, with uh, um, Colin Mylot at the uh, month of May. And I was just so impressed with what he's doing, what his team is doing. And more specifically, because you look at all the other teams out there and they have multiple cars. He right. is only running one car. That's one set of data and everything that he is gaining experience. You know, he doesn't have anybody else to lean on except, you know, what he does out there on the track by himself. So that's what impresses me so much about about Callum Eilat. But uh, I want to finish up here. I know I don't want to hold you too long. Uh, you want to give us a little bit uh, insight uh, from your perspective. Uh, Mid-Ohio this weekend, uh, Lexington, Ohio. I know uh, Scott Dixon has been, like you said, uh, um, dominant, I think, is, is the word that comes to mind. But uh, uh, give us a little bit of perspective from, from your point of view. Oh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a bad, fast racetrack. It really is. I mean, there are a lot of technical portions to it, but uh, a lot of speed to it and uh, certainly some challenging elevation changes. And and I really think you'll hear a lot of the drivers say that uh, coming down out of the heat, the keyhole uh, through the bender that's turn three and setting up for the um, for turn number four. And then there's the S's, if you will, before you scoot under the Honda Bridge. Uh, but with five and six, the way you you go uphill and then back downhill, I think most of the drivers will tell you um, that's where uh, you're either going to have a good lap or you're going to throw away a lap. And by that, I mean, um because of the fact that uh, it could sometimes be a little difficult to pass there. That is one of the primary passing zones, by the way. I think there's a lot of emphasis uh, placed on qualifying. Uh, you, you don't want to start in the rear of the field and force yourself into an alternate pit strategy. 
Um, but 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 I do know that uh, they've been there a while now. They have plenty of data. Uh, those who have been fast there in the past typically will be fast again this weekend, as we mentioned, uh, uh, Scott Dixon. But uh, I think from a fan's perspective, it's one of my favorite. Um, it, it's not the most up-to-date place. It's not the most modern and pristine place. But it is uh, something that the fans absolutely love. I mean, the campground is always overflowing with folks. And there's so many good sight lines down through Thunder Valley and all throughout the course. And there's so many amenities there in terms terms of the food stand and the fan village and the infield. And uh, uh, there's no question, folks, it is literally in the middle of nowhere in Lexington, Ohio. But uh, considering it's only about a five-hour drive, Uh, If you've not gotten your tickets, you should go online and uh, reward yourself and your family. Uh, Load up the cooler and the lawn chairs and and, and go enjoy the NTT IndyCar Series as the uh, championship chase resumes after a a couple of weeks off. And um, I know you can follow us all weekend long like you do, Derek, on Sirius and XM. Uh, There are a number of other outlets, uh, Spotify and others, where you can get it. Also, terrestrial radio stations all across the country. I'll be in the booth with Davey Hamilton. We'll have Nick Yeoman and and Jake Query and uh, and Michael Young calling the action for the turns. And we're happy to have Joel Sebastianelli and uh, and Alex Wolf with us in the pits this weekend. So we look forward to the call for sure. And I'm going to whet my appetite by going to Thursday Night Thunder at Lucas Oil Raceway Park Thursday night. So. Awesome. And I, and I think just to remind everyone, uh, coverage, your guys start uh, 3.30 on Friday, and then the race, uh, you guys pick up coverage, I think, what, uh, noon on Sunday, I do believe? Yep, that's right. And we are on for all of the IndyCar and Indy Lights uh, practice and qualifying and races all throughout the course of every weekend. So. Awesome. Uh, last thing, Mark, if people aren't doing it already, and again, shame on them, uh, where can they find you at on, on social media? At James Marr, J-A-Y-N-E-S-M-A-R. And honestly, that's about it. I'm starting to get more into Instagram. I I don't do Facebook much. I just kind of stay with Twitter. And maybe I need to broaden my horizons a little bit. But, um, yeah, certainly if people want to follow me, I'll I'll warn them, though, it's it's not only about motorsports. I do tweet about my grandkids. Uh, There's there's an iconic uh, old school diner outside of Plainfield. I had lunch there today and I took a picture of that. So that's the kind of stuff that 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 you'll see from me. And best of all, Derek, no politics. You don't get any politics from me. (laughs) You know what? You know what? I've learned that uh, on Twitter, I've learned that. you got to keep those separate. I, I've definitely learned that, but it, it, it's uh, Mark, okay if you don't. I just choose not to. You know. Hey, you, you, you know what? You know what? I just choose not to. So you know what? It, it sometimes sometimes the the conversation's not needed. It just depends what the setting is. I absolutely agree. Hey, uh, I want to hey, I want to wish you good luck with this deal. I really do. And uh, we're going to remind people over the course of the weekend where they can find this on a regular basis. That I know it's a relatively new venture for you, and and we're happy to do what we all we can to to help you promote it and, and help this thing grow for you. Yeah, that when when you emailed me and told me that that's I I I don't know what else I could I can do, but uh, thank you for for not only taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to join me here, but uh, what uh, what you're gonna do over the weekend? I, I I don't know how I can I don't know how I can repay you. I, I have no idea, but uh, you know what? I we'll meet in July in Indian and I'll come up with something, but. Uh, Mark, again, huge thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule uh, to join us. Uh, look forward to uh, meeting you in, in July and uh, have a uh, have a safe trip tomorrow and safe trip to uh, Lexington over the weekend. 
Well, come to see us in the booth in July. Look forward to, to seeing you face-to-face, -face, Derek. Take care. Yeah, you too. Huge thank you again, uh, Mark Janes. Go check him out on social media and, and listen to him uh, this weekend because you would never believe how smooth uh, it sounds in controlled chaos, as he uh, as he alluded to earlier.